This here's candidate Jack Urell saying, if you vote for me, I'll be the bestest friend you ever had. Well, they out there shaking hands, making promises, kissing babies, smiling, begging, lying, slapping backs. Till they get voted in, then they make a whole bunch of new friends, change their minds and say, you know what, we got to have another time. Well, howdy, folks. This here is candidate Jack a year round, and I am here because I'm not your normal, everyday politician. I believe in what you believe in. I want what you want. I'm gonna work real hard for you people. I will never lie to you because Jack you round loves you. When you elect them, you can't expect them. To do what they don't remember saying For they was voted in when you elect them You can't expect them To expect you to vote for them again Well, they get on TV, they take to Twitter Say, I got you back, I ain't no quitter And next thing you know, they're saying, it ain't my fault They tell you all about what they gonna do they're gonna work real hard for you. They won't be compromised and they can't be bought. Hey folks, this is your old friend Jack you around here. Now y'all know I'm just one man. It takes a lot of people to get things done and it takes a lot of time. I know I said I'd never lie to you, but you know sometimes when you see things through different eyes, the truth has to be somewhat modified. When you elect them, expect them to do what they don't remember saying for they was voted in when you elect them you can't expect them to expect you to vote for them again yes sir now look i know that it's been almost four years and your water still stinks and it's brown and basically well they ain't been nothing done but you got to understand Jack Round is on your side. I promise you, you give me four more years, we're gonna get this matter taken care of. And when you elect them, you can expect them to expect you to vote for them again. Yes, I tell you, folks, Jack Round has always been in this for me. I mean, for you, for you, I mean it for you. Oh, oh, Lord, Lord. Well, hello once again, and welcome to another episode of Brother Chuck's podcast from the Church of Common Sense and the Sins It Will Do You In for the week ending November 18th, 2023. Next week is Thanksgiving, and you, like I'm sure myself and many others, are wondering where the hell has this year gone? Crazy year. And by the way, it's far from over, even though it is almost over. Who knows what will happen in the next few weeks? But there is good news. Thanksgiving coming up. Yes, Thanksgiving's a little early this year. And a lot of people, because of the way that uh, everything is structured these days, are getting their government checks, their Social Security income checks, if you will, earlier in the month of November. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, because we kick off this week's countdown of the sins that will do you in with the sin of apathy. And the good news is it appears 
that possibly knowing they're all going to have to be reelected sooner or later, and by the way, you know that's every two years in Congress, it appears that the latest group, uh, led by the new Speaker of the House from Louisiana, Mike Johnson, has said, guys, we can't just sit around anymore and twiddle our thumbs and have our head up our ass and expect to get reelected unless we do something. You see, the House was dealing with another government shutdown possibly looming around the holidays. Oh, yeah, when they voted last time to kick the can down the road, they didn't kick it very far. So the House had to do something, and, you know, credit to Mike Johnson. I don't know that much about him, but apparently uh, he got some people's attention by saying, guys, we're looking like a bunch of idiots up here. We're looking like a bunch of dumbasses. Everybody is taking note of the fact that we're getting paid a whole lot of money and we're not doing a hell of a lot. So the House did not wait to the last minute, as they usually do, and credit Mike Johnson because he put together a two-step plan that said, okay, we're going to fund the government for the next few months, and then we're going to come back in. And no, we're not going to tie everything to it this one time. We're going to ask for some more later. Oh, they're still going to ask for it. They're just finding out a way to do it. And at least what they've done is, you know, the next time they ask for it, people might say, well, they at least didn't shut the government down. Because the last thing this bunch could have needed was the government shut down over the holidays, or especially to be talked about in the month of September. I mean, the month of uh, December. Because already the majority of people are looking at him saying, what the hell are you guys doing up there? You know, we send you to Washington to do a job. You can't agree on anything, and it doesn't look like there's any discussion going on. So kudos to Speaker Mike Johnson, his unique two-step plan to fund the government for the next few months. He did need the help from the Democrats, of course, which you have to because it's very tight these days, since the uh, GOP right-wing Freedom Caucus, which helped orchestrate the ouster of the previous speaker, Kevin McCarthy, came out totally against the bill. The reason? It did not include spending cuts. Now, luckily, the Democrats gave their thumbs up for that exact reason. It's not a complete done deal, but it will get through the Senate. The short-term funding bill heads to the Senate, and it will get there because they needed to to prevent a shutdown. Nobody wants a government shutdown over the holidays because of the way that people are viewing these buffoons up there already. So maybe it's a good way to kick off the countdown this week with sin number five, the sin of apathy. Hopefully, hopefully it's going away a little bit to with members of Congress in the Senate, with them saying, you know, guys, they are, they, believe it or not, America's watching and they're paying attention to what the hell we're doing up there. And believe me, we need to do more of that in the future. Apathy kicks off our Sin of the Week countdown with number five in the number five slot, I should say. More to come, including IB High with a look at football projections for week number 11 as we head towards Thanksgiving week next week. It is Brother Chuck's podcast of the sins that will do you in from the Church of Common Sense. You are listening to Brother Chuck's podcast from the Church of Common Sense and the sins that will do you in. We count down each and every week, but now it is time once again to check traffic with our friend in high places and, of course, his take on week number 11 in the NFL. Our old buddy, I be high in the sky, is with us. So, Your Highness, how'd you do last week, huh? Well, Chuck and I, for week number 10, we went with nine wins and five. Losses. Not too bad. Should have been 10 and 4, but yeah. I be hadn't figured out the Buffalo Bills yet. None of us have. 
Yeah, you think you got them figured out, they look real good, and then when they should look real good, they look real bad. Such is the case. Now, more on that in a little bit. Uh-huh. Let's get on to week number 11. Let's do it. And we'll kick it off with a Thursday night game, and unlike last Thursday's contest, which, yeah. you know, was uh, akin to watching something on PBS about the breeding habits of a snapping turtle, <laughs> right. this Thursday night game should be pretty good. Really? Well, the Baltimore Ravens are at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh-huh. And the Bengals, who started off as the Bungles for this year, have looked a whole lot better in the past few weeks. Yes, they have. Even though this game is on the road for the Bungles right. and Burrow, yeah. IB says it's going to be close. Yeah. A good one to watch. Yeah. But in the end, in the end I think Cincinnati is going to wind up winning this. Bengals to win. Huh? So that's how we start off on Thursday night. Meanwhile. Yes. That other Ohio team, the Browns, yes. they'd be at home. Yeah. They'd be against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. Both teams are coming into week number 11 at 6-3. and three. Good matchup. Somebody, unless they tie, is going to win number 7. And Ivy says that is going to be the Cleveland Browns. Really? Speaking of seven wins, yeah. ooh, the Detroit Lions is hot. They are. Hottest thing in the NFC North this year and hottest thing in Detroit for quite some time. You're right. Lions over Chicago Bears at home, no problem. Okay. I mean, the Lions at home, they'll have no problem with the Bears winning this one. All right, Lions to win. Meanwhile, Green Bay's at home as well. Right. But they got their work cut out for them. You think so? Normally, I would go with the Packers at Lambeau, mm. but the Chargers have looked better and better. Mm. And so with the L.A. Chargers coming to town this Sunday, yes. I.B. says what Summer says is going to be an upset. Yeah. Look for the Chargers to win this one. L.A. Dolphins? Yeah. Man, I'm telling you. Six and three mm-hmm. is not representative of this team. I don't think so. They have lost three, but they've lost these three they shouldn't have lost, and they will not lose this weekend. They're at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Right. So if you're a betting person, uh-huh. don't bet on Vegas, not on this one. <laughs> okay, then. All right, down the stretch, Commodores yeah. at home against the New York Giants. This will be a poor fest, but the Commodores will win it. <laughs> okay. Carolina Panthers at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Carolina. No chance there. Cowboys. Jacksonville Jaguars against the Tennessee Titans. Right. Jaguars should have looked better last week. I don't know what happened to them against San Francisco, but I got a feeling they'll perk up this week when the Tennessee Titans come to town. Okay. And the Jaguars should win this one. Jacksonville. Then on Sunday afternoon. Sunday. Hey, how yeah. about them Cardinals? Yeah. They got win number two, just like I'd be predicted last week. Yes, you and the Houston Texans. Yeah. Well, they looked a little bit worse than I'd be thought they would. Mm-hmm. However. Yeah. In Houston this weekend, I.B. says the Texans over the Cardinals. Texans. The Cardinals are looking better. Yes, they are. 49ers last week, big win over the Jaguars. They'll get a bigger win this week at home over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. San Francisco. And now for the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills. I.B. picked them last week, and they let me down. Yes, they did. This week, though, it's that old robbery with the New York Jets. Ah, the Jets. Bills are 5-5, five and five, Jets are 4-5. and five. And admittedly, the Jets are better than their 4-5 and five record. But... IB says because it's in Buffalo, yes. give the advantage to the Buffalo Bills this weekend. Go with them Meanwhile, back out to the West Coast where yep. the L.A. Rams are. Yep. They're taking on the Seattle Seahawks, mm-hmm. coming down from Seattle. Yep. Seattle will win that battle. Really? Denver Broncos looking a little bit better now. Yep. Sean Payton not quite as embarrassing as he was first of the season. <laughs> They'll take their 4-5 and five record in against the Minnesota Vikings, who are 6-4. Minnesota coming over from Minnesota. Yep. In the Mile High City, yep. IB says go with the Broncos there. Denver, huh? Then the Kansas City. City Chefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> yes. Chefs at 7 and 2. Uh-huh. Eagles at 8 and 1. Uh-huh. You know that Mama's going to be there for both of the Kelsey brothers, yep, one yep. playing for the Eagles and yep. one playing for the Chiefs, of course. Of course yes. And then, of course, we 
We all know that Taylor Swift is probably going to be there. Taylor Factor. Chucky, this could very well be the most talked about game of the week, and it's taking place on Monday night. Oh, I'm sure. So, in a primetime extravaganza, <laughs> expect the Kelsey boys to battle and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Mama will be excited, and Taylor will be Taylor. Taylor will be Taylor. <laughs> they are. That is your look at week number 11 in the NFL. All right. Y'all have a good one. Drive safely. <laughs> Traffic's starting to pick up. Thanksgiving coming up. Can you believe we're getting out early this year? I know, next week. Yeah. Yeah. Ball Turkey Day and the Big Three matchups coming up on next Thursday, too. All right. In the meantime, mm-hmm. I be high in the sky. You should be, too. Of course. Awesome. My Navajo speaking Chinese pilot. All right, thank you. IB High Weekly Football Predictions right here on the Chuck Redden Podcast and Brother Chuck's Countdown of the Sins that will do you in. We continue with our Countdown of the Sins that will do you in from Brother Chuck's Church of Common Sense here for the week ending November 18th, next week being Thanksgiving here in the year 2023. And the number four slot this week belongs to the sin of deception. And before we launch into this tirade about what's going on. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's less and less talk in the mainstream media about the Israeli-Gaza conflict. And that's typical these days, I think, of the United States in general. And it's something that basically all of our allies and enemies overseas realize. You know, with the way we think today... Even our worst enemies, the terrorists, think, oh, do not worry about them. They will yak and complain about it for a while, but sooner or later it will go away. And basically, that's exactly what's happening. When it first started happening, when the the horrific events occurred with the folks of Hamas invading Israel and killing hundreds of people, taking people hostage, We were all up in arms. It was the worst thing in the world. It was all over every news channel. Now, eh, not so much. I mean, it's still going on, but basically, we in the United States of America don't have the resolve that our brethren on the other side of the ocean have where this is concerned. We talk about it for a few days, and then we move on to the next big thing, be it uh, Taylor and Travis Kelsey or uh, the Kardashians or that new toy that's out for Christmas. And meanwhile, uh, the folks in Israel have not forgotten about that. And they know the deception that is where Hamas is concerned. Recently, I read about uh, a gathering, if you will, at the nation's capital where the Palestinians wanted the ceasefire to take place immediately in Israel, as if the United States has any influence there. We've gone through this before. Trust me, we do not. There is no way if, you know, sleepy, creepy Joe were to go over there and say, I want you to stop this now, they would laugh at him. They're not going to listen to us. You know, we, we love Israel. We're, you know, we're friends with them. We're, we're big allies, and we're perhaps their biggest ally. But, you know, even Joe's not going to tell him to stop because he's going to know they're going to look at him and say, you look crazy. You look crazy, man. Well, now the latest deception, we're starting to find out while Hamas is saying, oh, my God, they're bombing the hospitals in Gaza. They're bombing the hospital. They're the hospitals. What we treat the injured and the dead people. And the reason 
that we're bombing the hospitals in Gaza is because that's where Hamas is hiding. Recently, they found out that there are tunnels underneath some of the major medical facilities in the Gaza Strip, and that's where some of the terrorist organizations, not only Hamas, but Al-Qaeda, Al-Shifa, and all the other big terrorist organizations, or whatever they're called over there, have been hiding in these tunnels, strategically located under the hospitals because they're saying to themselves, oh, the Jews would never bomb the hospitals. That would be an insane thing to do. And when they do that, we will immediately go to the American media and say, look, they are bombing our hospitals. Israel says Hamas has command centers hidden under and around the hospitals in the Gaza Strip. And the recent bombings that have occurred at the hospitals, number one, have not come without warning. Days before it's going to happen, the Israelis tell the hospitals, look, we're fixing to bomb the hell out of you. Get your patients. Get out of here. Most of the hospitals have done just that. But in the meantime, those that don't, unfortunately, suffer the consequences. In the process, Israel says, these bombings have successfully killed a commander of Hamas who had uh, been preventing patients to evacuate because basically he thought that Israel would not bomb the hospital if there were still patients there. Wrong. Israel says it offers the hospitals evacuation assistance. It gives the hospitals fuel to evacuate and make sure they put it in vehicles that will evacuate the patients. Hamas says that uh, the Palestinian death toll is now over 11,000 people. All right, so let's do the math here. Hamas invades Israel. They kill 1,400 to 2,000 people, take a bunch hostage. Israel retaliates. Now there's over 11,000 dead and counting. Now, our idiot Secretary of State says that far too many Palestinians have been killed. I don't think he'd get an agreement from Israel with that. But Blinken welcomed the daily humanitarian pauses for evacuation. They're pausing four hours a day, saying, listen, we're going to pause for four hours, and here's where we're going to bomb. Get your ass out of here. <laughs> and believe me, I, we've, we've gone through this before. I, I said the same thing. You tell me you're going to bomb where I'm at in four hours. I'm leaving. I'm packing my crap, and I'm, I'm gone, all right? Well, guess what? That's what Israel's doing. They're saying, listen, we're going to bomb here in four hours. If we want to leave, leave. If not, it is what it is. So Blinken says more needs to be done. And now France, as if anybody gives a damn what they said, and their leader, Macron, said there is no justification for continuing the fighting and calling a ceasefire. Well, again, Israel would think a little bit different about that. But it's all under the sin of deception. You see, the media, as the media tends to do, paints a different picture of things. Oh, my God, they are bombing our hospitals where our wounded and our sick are. Yes, they're bombing the hospitals, but only after they tell you well in advance, we're going to bomb the hospital because we know there's a tunnel under there. Surely you would not bomb doctors and sick people like that knowing that they will be dying and it's humanitarian. No, we're going to tell them to get out. We know that you're hiding, using them as human shields. We know there are tunnels on this hospital. We're going to bomb it. Leave or else. You see, good old-fashioned deception. 
And unfortunately, some of the mainstream media in the United States of America is playing right into the hands of Hamas. No surprise there. Brother Chuck here from the pulpit of the Church of Common Sense and the sins that will do you in. can't make anybody famous Or we can't bring anyone down Make everyone's friend Or get you run out of town We'll cover death and destruction We'll cover disasters and wars Make idols a sun and help others to dance with the stars. But since the days of just three channels, way back before the remote, we've been making up stories to make you tune in and helping poor people vote. We got you right where we want you Believing in all that we say And you won't believe Just how much that we're raking in The media We helped get Obama elected Helped Oprah to start her own church Freed O.J. from prison And put Donald Trump back to work We can't save you from a recession We can save you on an automobile And I'll bet when it's all said and done that you think you got one heck of a deal All since the days of 13 channels Way back before the remote We've been making up stories To make you tune in And helping poor people vote We got you right where we want you Believing in all that we say You won't believe Is how much that we're getting paid The media And now in the days of 300 channels All control with one remote we're still making up stories to make you tune in And helping poor folks to vote We got you right where we want you Believing in all that we say And you won't believe where all the money goes to The media
the media The media We roll on with the countdown of the sins that will do you in here from Brother Chuck's Church of Common Sense for the week ending November 18th. Thanksgiving is next week for the year 2023, the year slowly but surely slipping away. I guess I shouldn't say slowly but surely. It's moving pretty fast. And sin number three this week is occupied by the sin of pride. We've heard nothing but for the past few weeks the get-together between Biden and the leader of China. Oh, they're going to meet. They're going to meet. They're going to get together. It's as though they had put together this special meeting so the minds that be could talk about the future of the two most powerful nations on earth. But actually, that wasn't it at all. We were kind of led astray by the media overplaying this. You see, this all had to do with the big economic summit that took place in, of all places, San Francisco. (laughs) Now, if you've been following over the last couple of years what's been going on in the state of California, and in particular in the city of San Francisco, you'd have to wonder, is this really the place we want to get anybody together for an economic summit? Now, granted, listen, I'm going to tell you. San Francisco is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It long has been one of the most picturesque, beautiful cities in the world. Located right on the California coast, right there on the Pacific Ocean, the Golden Gate Bridge. Perfect climate almost year-round. Of course, there's that earthquake thing, but, you know, everybody has something. It's earthquakes on one coast. It's hurricanes on the other. It's blizzards in the north, sweltering heat and floods in the south. So, But San Francisco is a beautiful city, with the exception of the fact that over the last few years, it has gone to hell in a handbasket. Everywhere you go in San Francisco, there are homeless people. There are drug addicts on every corner. The city is dirty. It's nasty. Now, they tried to clean it up for this Apex Summit that was held this past week. But you can't get away from it. It's everywhere. But the big news was Joe Biden and the leader of China, Xi Jinping, Uh, meeting supposedly to talk about where our two countries stand as far as relations. The last time the two got together, and by the way, the media blew this out of proportion. Like, oh my God, it hadn't been happening in years. Well, the last time was in November of last year, and it was at the G20 summit last year. Everybody comes to these things to talk about the, the world's economy and the leaders are all there and they get together and they swap stories. Well, China is not doing all that well. If you've been following any of the news about them, their economy is in the tank and it's going south. So I'm sitting there thinking, what better city to bring them to in the United States of America than San Francisco? I mean, you can imagine <laughs> Xi Jinping is to San Francisco. He said, oh, maybe we're not so bad in China after all. <laughs> China's been dogged by an aging population, 
a sputtering real estate market, an exodus of foreign investment, declining value of its currency. So what might happen? Well, China's economic pains could have a long-term effect on the entire world, especially the United States and their relationship with the United States. So that said, a lot of people are speculating that Xi Jinping, who has kind of thumbed his nose at the United States in the past, might be more inclined to have a more cozy relationship with the United States. Biden and Xi Jinping were expected to talk about military. They were talking about exports. They're talking about the deadly opioid fentanyl, which China has sent a lot of to the United States. Biden suggested he might be open to expanding trade under certain conditions. You know, when Trump was in office, he put the tariffs in place. Beijing recently made a symbolic gesture by placing a big order for soybeans from America. According to Bloomberg, companies in both countries are hoping that the two of the leaders getting together might reduce trade restrictions. U.S. multinational companies like Tesla and Apple rely on suppliers from China for those chips and things like that. Now, granted, we've started our production of chips here in the United States, but we're a long way behind what the Chinese have been doing. Then there's that legion of American executives, Elon Musk among them, that were expected to be at the summit, hoping to get a schmooze fest dinner with the leader of China. Don't know if that happened. APEC, a big deal for San Francisco as the Golden City struggled with their post-COVID recovery. They were trying to clean the streets, get rid of the homeless, or at least move them to another place, ramp up law enforcement, so on and so forth. I mean, you got China coming to town, and, and they know things are bad in China. You don't want them to look at San Francisco and say, oh, we meant so bad after all. So what happened? Well, they met. And here's how the media played it. You're going to love this. I file this under the sin of pride because we're so proud of the fact that Biden and Xi Jinping have had a chance to talk. And now the United States is going to take credit for this. Xi Jinping said that China will send the United States, no, not money, no, not military help, no, not reduced drugs, no, not promise to do anything like not invade Taiwan. But China is going to send the United States, are you ready for this? New panda bears. As basically a play to reduce the tensions, Xi Jinping said he will send a couple of pandas. And I'm not making this up. Biden and Xi Jinping agreed to resume military communications, hopefully reduce the fentanyl crisis, and maybe become a little bit cozier in the uh, days to come. But in the meantime, you know, we lost those pandas that were sent back to China from the National Zoo in Washington, D.C., leaving only four in America at the Atlanta Zoo 
And so what came out of this whole thing? Xi Jinping said that they'll look for some new pandas to send us. I'm not making it up. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. There's the result of the great pride that the media touted about the meeting of the minds between Biden and Xi Jinping. We're going to get some new pandas. I feel better, don't you? Brother Chuck here from the pulpit of the Church of Common Sense. We need a little political climate change A ray of hope that someday things might be okay again That new wind blow away the past and the shame A little political climate change Now all this talk about global warming has started me to think about why the water ain't safe to drink and the air is always stinking. I've been studying my history and my geography and it looks to me like the problem is coming right out of D.C. We need a little political climate change a ray of hope that someday things might be okay again that new wind to blow away the past and the shame a little political climate change yeah we can cut back on gas guzzling cars convert to solar power eat supper each night by candlelight maybe even take less showers recycling that's a good idea too and the place we should begin is with that bunch of do-nothings that we voted in we need a little political climate change a ray of hope that someday things might be okay again that new wind blow away the past and the shame a little political climate change now it ain't that i don't care about the poor old polar bear or what he'll do when all of the ice melts way up there but one degree or two or five over the span of time don't matter much to the million standing in the unemployment line we need a little political climate change a ray of hope that someday things might be okay again that new wind to blow away the past and the shame a little political climate change we need a little political climate change a ray of hope that someday things might be okay again that new wind to blow away the past and the shame a little political climate change a little political climate change you are listening to the countdown of the sins that will do you in and brother chuck here from the church of common sense and we're up to sin number two for the week ending november 18th 2023 and that spot is occupied this week by the sin of ignorance how could they not have known this would happen news flash that came in on friday afternoon for the end of the week anheuser bush head of marketing stepping down why because bud light sales have tanked 
Yes, it all goes back to the transgender can that Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light was so proud to display earlier this year that caused quite a stir and had Bud Light drinkers thinking, you know what, I might look for something else. Now, I'm going to say this right here and now. When we record this podcast, oftentimes segments of it are recorded in the afternoon. And right now, I am enjoying the number one selling beer in the United States of America, which is Modelo Especial. That distributed by MBEV globally, which also distributes Bud Light, is an American-owned company which took back the rights to distribute their brand amid the controversy. That's not why I'm drinking it. My usual brand of choice these days is Yingling Light. I drink that brand because, quite frankly, I like it. It's a good replacement for what I was drinking. Yes, I was a Bud Light drinker, but I stopped drinking Bud Light, quite frankly, because I didn't want to support the transgender movement. I thought they had gone just a little bit too far. Look, if you want to be queer, lesbian, gay, transgender, I don't care. However, for a company to invest their profits into something like this. I have the choice to maybe look for something else. I was getting a little tired of Bud Light. I gave it up for Lent last year, and I found Yingling Light. And lo and behold, it's a great beer. Yingling Light is packaged using materials uh, that are made in West Monroe, Louisiana, by the graphics packaging company there, which is a paper mill that my father worked at for over 40 years before he retired. So there's a little bit of allegiance there. And in the meantime, it's a pretty damn good beer. But I file this under the sin of ignorance. How could the head of the largest beer company, the king of beers, Anheuser-Busch, which, by the way, once upon a time, the paper mill in West Monroe, Louisiana, printed a lot of beer flats for the Budweiser Company, which, of course, is located in St. Louis, Missouri. I was a big supporter, and am still a big supporter, of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team. But listen, my dad supported the St. Louis Cardinals, the St. Louis Cardinals football team, all because the paper mill made beer flats for Budweiser in St. Louis. Well, not anymore. Things have gone to hell in a handbasket in Anheuser-Busch, and the marketing head is stepping down at the end of the year, a decision coming months after Bud Light saw a huge dip in sales following their controversial partnership with a transgender influencer. Benoit Garb, the U.S. chief marketing officer for Anheuser-Busch, will resign at the end of the year. A spokesperson for the company said the U.S. chief commercial officer, Kyle Norrington, will oversee and be fully dedicated to all aspects of marketing activities going forward. Two other sales leaders will report to Anheuser-Busch CEO Brendan Whitworth, according to the spokesperson. Whitworth explained the changes will reduce layers within the organization. The senior leadership changes accelerate the return to growth, they hope. But will they ever re return? And will they ever rebound from this? I seriously doubt it. 
Bud Light sales taking a hit after the company partnered with Dylan Mulvaney, a transgender influencer who started out as a guy, changed to a female, was seen in the bathtub drinking a Bud Light with the can featuring his, her likeness on it. People ran from Bud Light in droves. Yeah. Listen, the, the beer business is a big competitive business these days, especially with the microbreweries that are popping up everywhere around the country, and there's some damn good ones out there. I don't mind telling you. In towns around the United States, you can almost in any town find a microbrewery brewing a, a, a brand of beer that's pretty good. Okay? Mulvaney supporters and the LGBTQ advocates say that Bush did not do enough to defend that partnership. Doesn't matter. Bud Light fell from their top spot as the top-selling beer in the United States. That they had, Listen, they had held that spot for 20 years. All it takes is one screw-up, and boy, this was a big one. For 20 years, Bud Light had been the best-selling beer in America. Boom, it's gone. In July, the company announced it would lay off 2% of their workforce, all because of declining sales. But wait, there's more. As we look at things going forward, the entire brand has suffered, not just Bud Light. So now the head of marketing is going away. But can Budweiser rebound? My take on this is no. As I told you, Modelo Especial is now the number one selling beer in America. Yingling is coming on strong. You can hardly get it in some stores. The big brands like Coors, Miller, those companies, all that's one company now. Nah, they didn't really see any huge boost in sales from this. But the smaller companies and the microbreweries have profited. Bud Light is no longer the top-selling brand. They've tried to advertise, which is good. Good for the radio industry, good for all advertising, because they had to advertise to try to put a Band-Aid on the wound. Didn't work. And so here we are. Brother Chuck here, the sin of ignorance. How could they not have known this was going to happen? Who in the marketing department, when they decided they were going to do this, thought this might not give us any problems? How could they sit at a long conference table and say, you know, guys, we may have some fallout from this. Think about beer drinkers. Good old-fashioned, gun-toting, redneck, truck-driving, deer-hunting beer drinkers. They won't mind if we put a tranny on a can, will they? Wrong. Ignorance. Sin number two on our countdown to the sins that will do you in here from the Church of Common Sense. There's a queer on my beard. How the hell did that get here? Has but wiser lost. It looks 
Dale's rear As Budweiser lost their mind Oh, you know that for sure This is bound to get to course Since Budweiser lost their mind Instead of mountains turning blue We'll see Caitlin formed from Bruce Sixth, but wiser lost their mind I bet them Miller ponies turn into unicorns And that slits malt liquor bull will probably lose his Our number one sin of the week on our podcast of the sins that we'll do you in here from the Church of Common Sense is something that Brother Chuck has pontificated about for several years now, and that is tipping. Several years ago, and I do mean several years ago, well, I go all the way back to 2008 for this one. Yes, 15 years ago. When I found out that a certain element of our society voted for Barack Obama simply because of the color of his skin and knowing that they didn't take into consideration anybody else's wishes but their own or what our economy might do once we elected someone without any qualifications to actually run the office, I said the first thing to do 
is hit them in the pocketbook where it hurts. In other words, stop tipping. When you go to a restaurant, and this is all the way back to 2008. I did this all through the Obama years, 2008 to 2016. When you go to a restaurant and you're served by an obvious liberal who doesn't think they have to give you decent service because you don't support their president, don't tip them. Go out for a $60 meal. You know, they're expecting a $12 tip at 20%. Leave them a buck. It's your prerogative. Well, today, not so much. Oh, it still is. But we're being shamed into tipping people. And in some cases, before we even receive the service. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a prime example here. And let me preface this by saying, all right, 90% of the time, if not 95 to 99% of the time, I get great service from Sonic. You go up to Sonic, you order, you order on the app, they bring your drink or your meal out to you. Generally, it's with a smile, it's courteous, they're very nice, they're very prompt. Now, this is 95% of the time. There have been some occasions, though, where I've gotten lousy service. On those occasions, I've already put the tip on the bill through the app. And I'm sitting there saying, you know, wow, I wish I hadn't tipped this person because they certainly don't deserve it. All right? Another thing that I tend to disagree with is what I call group sharing of the tips. Now, this happens at a lot of the restaurants where you go into a restaurant and your 20 or 25% tip that you put on your card or that you leave on the bill gets shared by all of the servers. Well, granted, not all of the servers might deserve 25 or 30%, whatever you decide to tip. In some cases... I have tipped 30 to 50. Sometimes I tip 50% if the service is really good. But I make sure that tip goes directly to that person. How do you do that? You pull cash out of your pocket. You hand it directly to them. Say, this is for you. They don't have to put it in the group tip thing if they don't want to. They don't have to share. Now, they should. But a lot of times, if somebody really treats me good, I like to tip them a little bit more. And I don't mind doing that. But that's not the case these days, and it falls under the sin of laziness. So much that tipping for service, whether it's good or not, has become expected these days, and a new study discovered that 72% of people say the longstanding practice of tipping is expected in more places than it was just a few short years ago. Even as Americans say they're being asked to tip more often, relatively few Americans have a great deal of confidence about when and how to do so. And some of them, quite frankly, don't like it. In this survey, about a third of the folks asked said it's extremely or very easy to know whether or how much to tip people, while 21% say tipping is a choice and another 30% say it is an obligation. 
See, now I would fall on the 21% there because I don't believe just because someone brings you something, if they do it with a lousy attitude or they do it in a manner which you don't think is befitting of what you are supposed to get for what you're spending, you should be forced to tip them. But there's more and more these days. And what you're seeing is when you go to a restaurant like, I, and I'm not singling out anybody's, but you go to a, 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 a chain restaurant like an Olive Garden or a Red Lobster, when you put your card in now, it's, hey, do you want to tip 15%, 22, 25, 30? You know, they think it makes it easier. Maybe you don't want to tip anything. And they have that option, by the way, no tip. Now, what you probably should do is put no tip. And if you really want to make sure your server gets it, you know, hand it to them in person, say, hey, this is for you and make sure they know. Don't just leave it on the table. If you go out and have a, a $40 meal and you want to tip them 15 bucks, Hand them three $5 bills, say, this is for you. So where are Americans tipping? Where are we expected to tip today? Not just in restaurants. Oh, no, no, no. Who do you tip? Well, sit-down restaurants, obviously, 90%. Getting a haircut, a hairstyle, 80% of the folks think it's okay and you're supposed to tip your hairstylist. I think that is, I, I, I think that's a big deal. I pay about 15 bucks for my haircut usually, and generally I give the, the hairstylist a $20 bill and say keep the change. Uh, if you have food delivered, for instance, if you have a pizza delivered to your house, 75% of the folks say tip there. If you use a taxi or have a rideshare service like Uber, people say tip there. But what about a barista? Huh? What about you know getting coffee? Would you believe that only 25% of those asked think you should tip someone who brings you coffee? It's worse at a fast casual restaurant, like I said before, Sonic. Only 10% of those asked think you should tip someplace like Sonic. What is it all about? Well, it all comes back to what they call tipflation. Yes, that's an actual word. Tipflation is the influx of automatic prompts at businesses like coffee shops who just say, listen, we're going to have a, you're getting charged for a tip whether you like it or not. And sometimes these days, they don't give you the option. You know, with every meal, a 20% gratuity is included. Well, guess what? That promotes laziness. When you automatically make someone tip at a restaurant or a coffee shop or something like that, it doesn't mean that server has to be nice to you. He doesn't have to treat you right. Doesn't have to bring you the right food, your food on time, because he's going to get to tip one way or the other. Same thing with group tipping. I tell you, for me, I miss the old days. Back in the day, there was a great steakhouse where I grew up called Bernard's Steakhouse. And there was a guy named Jerry. And when I went to Bernard's, and listen, this is back in the 1980s and the early 1990s, oftentimes the bill would be over $100, and Jerry always got a couple of 20s. Jerry got 40 bucks because Jerry was always there when you needed your drink filled. He made sure that your steak was medium rare. It was a little bit pinkish in the middle, just like you wanted. He made sure the vegetables were crisp. He made sure the table was clean when you sat down. Jerry took care of you. We tipped Jerry well. Now, today, if you were to walk into a place like that and they would say, hey, 20% is coming out one way or another, guess what? You may want to tip Jerry Moore. He may be very, very nice to you. Or 
You may get another Jerry that half-asses the job. What do you do? Yeah. This automatic tipping and this automatic gratuity is promoting laziness. And believe me, there are plenty of lazy people in the server world. I think they should be tipped accordingly, which sometimes means not tipped at all. But that's me. Brother Chuck here. Just bring my damn fries and be nice about it. The sins that'll do you in from the pulpit of a church of common sense. With a smile, let alone correct change. But I ain't paying for no lecture about minimum wage. I ain't the reason that you're working here, so drop the attitude. I ain't impressed with your nose ring or all them tattoos. You want 15 bucks an hour? Start by doing this job right. Pull your pants up, put your phone down And don't forget my damn fries Twenty baboons behind the counter All getting orders wrong While they listen to their iPods Talking on their cell phones Taking selfies, taking smoke breaks While customers were ignored Complaining that they ain't paid enough Stand around and look bored I ain't the reason that you're working here So drop the attitude I ain't impressed with your nose ring Or all them tattoos You want 15 bucks an hour Start by doing this job right Pull your pants up, put your phone down And don't forget my damn fries Cause I ain't the reason that you're working here Drop the attitude I ain't impressed with your nose ring Or all them tattoos You want 15 bucks an hour Start by doing this job right Pull your pants up, put your phone down And don't forget my damn fries You pull your pants up, put your phone down And don't forget my damn fries Tip. Here it is. Don't stand in front of me when I am leaving. See ya.